I'm going to uh, just want to share a disclaimer with you guys. We're, we're sitting up here talking to you today, but um, we don't have this all figured out. All right? We don't do this perfectly. We're not, you know, dads of the year all the time, uh, ever. Uh, but <laughs> just ask our wives. <laughs> just let you know. Just ask, yeah, ask our wives. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're on the same journey that you guys are on. So don't hear any, this is not anything that we share with you from this morning that's not from a position of condemnation. It's from a position of encouragement. Um, we, we are on this journey just like you are, trying to, trying to figure it out. And ladies, we want to encourage you this morning, okay? No throwing elbows, all right? No tossing elbows, no glares, all right? None of this, uh, are you listening to what he's saying right now, okay? Just encourage your husband this morning, encourage And uh, another disclaimer, uh, there are two Yankees on staff, and they are currently on stage right now. So um, anything can happen at this moment. Um, there's, uh, you know, during staff meetings and stuff, there's things that are said that we really don't understand. We're still trying to understand yeah. what... Hair, uh, Andy's favorite is hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. Yeah, I still we're not, don't... We're not really sure. Really know what we're that We're not really means. sure what that is. Scott and I just kind of sit there um, drinking our Awkwardly. pops. Drinking yeah. our pops. Yeah. During, uh, we have our pop and... So, uh, that's, uh, I don't know what that means, but it's wicked awesome. Yeah. You know? And we watching yeah. a hoppus. Yeah, watch the hopper. The hopper. <laughs> and, you know, every, right. uh, every, also every, uh, you know, every Mother's Day, uh, the Mother's Day message is always uplifting and encouraging. And, um, you know, the butterflies are flying around and the, the music's playing. And then Father's Day comes around, man, and, and it's just like a bash fest. And uh, I've been guilty of that as well in ministry, uh, but we're not going to do that today. We're here to encourage uh, and to affirm uh, you fathers. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we want to talk about three, three kind of main points quickly this morning. The first one being relationships. We want to talk a little bit about relationships. And, you know, we all have an enemy. We have a common enemy. And, uh, and his, his purpose is to, to steal and kill and destroy and one of the main ways that he does that, you know, since we're, it's Father's Day weekend and, you know, it's, we're, guys have kind of taken over here, let me just say, stick with the sports references. The, the enemy has a playbook. The enemy has a playbook. And it's, and it's a, actually a fairly thin playbook, but he runs those plays extremely well. He runs those plays extremely well. And one of the ways that he, one of the plays that he runs very well is isolation. Isolation, and in the in the midst of his attacks, you know, sometimes it's, man, it's full on, you know, like at the end of that clip where you know he's swirling around and and we're shooting in every direction, just trying to catch a hit on him, trying to defend ourselves, and the, the attack is coming. But many, many times, and I think probably more often, the attacks are subtle. The attacks are subtle, and he'll even convince us that we need to be isolated. That we need to be, you know, away from other men in our lives and, and our families. We need to isolate ourselves. Uh, you can bring that scripture up there. Uh, the, the first one, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment, Proverbs 18.1. And uh, guys, we just want to encourage you not to get isolated, not to isolate yourselves. The, uh, when you think about the playbook, obviously there's a game a foot or a battle uh, that we're in the midst of, and it's important to 
the reason he's running that play and fathers are so strategic is because he's really trying to infiltrate the very plan that God created. And that is for fathers to be in this kingly role in a family. So the enemy knows if you can take out the king, then, then you, get, you get the family. Mm-hmm. And, and don't we know that in our culture? And don't, haven't we had enough experience with that? But to, but to know how it works is really a critical uh, element to then entering in and defending your perimeter, you know, and that isolation. Uh, man, if he can just take a guy out and, and, and get him walking alone, um, that's when men do dangerous things. Not for good, but dangerous things when we're uh, too alone. Good time sometimes to just get that that quiet moments or a weekend to yourself, but to not disengage. Because I, I can be amongst my family and be disengaged and, and, and be alone. So yeah, the invitation to, to enter in, to engage, but to understand what the enemy's trying to do because the, the father is such a, a pivotal role that God has established when he established a family. Yeah, and I think the, the enemy doesn't want us to be in, uh, have other relationships with with other men in our lives. Um, he wants us to question that. He wants us to, um, you know, to think, you know, no one wants to be, you know, friends with you or, uh, you know, you can't trust anybody. You've got nothing to add. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it occurred to me when you, when you were just talking, Mike, you know, guys want to sometimes just get alone and get out in the woods or whatever that is and, and that they're looking to do. A, a disoriented man, a man who is not oriented on a relationship with Christ, as his priority, as his primary relationship in his life. Um, that, uh, if that's not your, your primary relationship, you are a disoriented man. And so you can, you can go out and get in the woods and be alone, but you're really, you know, you, if you're not focused on God, you're going to be alone out there. It's like standing out in the middle of a battlefield all by yourself. If you're oriented, if that is your priority relationship, you can go into those places where you can be alone, but you're alone with God. You know, you get that time together. And you can't, uh, you know, into intimacy with God and intimacy with uh, being in a biblical community go hand in hand. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. If, if you're not intimate with God, I can almost guarantee you that you don't have other uh, Christian brothers in your life that are pouring into your life. And same thing with the women. If you're, not into, if you're not intimate with God, I can guarantee you don't have those Christian sisters. And um, they, they're just, they go hand in hand. They intertwine with one another. Let's talk a, a little bit about accountability. Um, you know, uh, God bless the men that have gone before us in men's ministry over the last, you know, decades. Uh, but really out of that, the, the promise keepers movement, mm-hmm. you know, came accountability. That became like the buzzword. And it was like, you got to be accountable. You got to have accountability partners. You got to have accountability software. You got to have accountability this, that, the other thing. That is actually, you do need those things. But I think we've gone about uh, securing accountability in our lives from, from a, a, a wrong perspective, a wrong direction. When you say. Yeah, they, I remember those uh, Promise Keepers years. And, and thank goodness for what they did, but, um, but I think there's one step better as you were talking, Jeremy, about the intimacy yeah. piece. Um, you know, I, I, where it takes me or what I, my experience has been that 
in accountability as men in relationships, I, I find that it, it basically says, I need you to police me and I'll police you. And um, rather than, hey, can we be friends? Can, can we get to know one another's story? So I think the, the better pursuit in relationships for, for, for dads, for men, is to pursue friendship, deep friendship, which takes time, and there's obstacles and hurdles to navigate okay. through that, yeah. but to pursue friendship, and then the fruit of the friendship is accountability versus, hey, I'm Michael, good to meet you, will you hold me accountable? Yeah, because I can't and, be trusted. And Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and I, I can't either, so yeah. if you'll hold me accountable yeah. to certain standards and things, so there's, you know, all of a sudden, there's no relationship, we just became sheriffs to one another, yeah. and, but friendship is such a better place to pursue and let the fruit of your friendship be uh, this connection called accountability that you can call me, I, I'll walk with you. And I, because I know you and you know me, my story, your backstory, and we can do this together. Yeah, I think it's a matter of perspective on, on another man's heart. You know, the policing uh, perspective is we're just assuming that there's, they deserve something. mistrust and yeah. there's something, something wrong, wrong with something bro broken yeah. there. Yeah. Whereas the opposite way is, you know, I know you, know, I know you mm -hmm. so I know you've got a good heart. Yeah, and, and there's a glory and to your life, and I want to call that up. Yeah. yeah, and we were talking about that in staff uh, this past week. You know, when, when you know how much someone cares about you and, and loves you, you know, you're going to allow them to speak truth in, into right. your life. Right, right. But if, if you question that, you know, that's when you get defensive and, and everything else. I think another thing, another thing too, is, is learn from other fathers. I'm watching fathers all the time. I, I learn from you guys. Um, you know, I, I learn from people on, on what I want to do as a dad. And, you know, like, ah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you, know? you also learn what you don't want to do as a dad. And uh, choose wisely who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. You know, you become who you hang out with. And um, wise encourage your husbands to have godly friendships. You know, don't get, don't get uh, jealous of that. Now, if they're hanging out, you know, every night and stuff, you know, that needs to be talked about. Uh, but husbands, you also need to encourage your wives to have godly sisters in their lives so they can go spend time and get away from the kids as well. And, you know, I, I just, um, you know, I was hanging out with you guys last night, and, and uh, my wife sent me a text and said, hey, you know, enjoy, stay out as late as you want, enjoy, enjoy the time with the guys. And, uh, and I encourage my wife to do that as well. Now, um, if... Wives, if your husband is, uh, has some friends in his life that, that want to kind of relive, um, you know, the college days and, and go, go, uh, go clubbing or uh, I don't think there's not a whole lot of clubs around here, but, um, you know, go to Heroes and, and, you know, relive those days and stuff. You know, that needs to be called out because there's a time when childish things need to be put away and you become a boy and you become a man. And, and back in the day, there was kind of a, a clear distinction with that. But, but now it seems that's really, you know, that's really unclear of when that happens. You know, I've seen, uh, I've seen men who are in their 40s and 50s that act like they're, you know, they're teens. Yeah. And I've also at the same time I've seen teenagers act like grown men, you yeah. know, just really, really mature in that. That's, uh, uh, that's a large part of what that the Stepping Up uh, series is going to be about. You know, there's different steps that you go through to, to manhood. And so many guys, I, I, you know, I don't s say this to be mean or anything, but uh, I call them boys who shave, you know. 
the guys that, who, who have a wife, a family, and a job, but, but they still want all the things that the adolescents have, and they want to still live that life. You know, that's a, those, those are two steps on the steps to manhood. There's, there's the adolescent step, boyhood, adolescence, and then into manhood, and so many guys have one foot on manhood and one foot on adolescence, and it's time to step up, guys. And we're willing to help you to do that. Oh, absolutely. You know? Listen, uh, two days ago, talk to Sherry after the service. You want to hear about how I had a foot on the adolescent step. You know, I mean, I messed it up big time. But. Where are you going to be, Sherry? Yeah. After that? <laughs> She's taking appointments. <laughs> At the table. She's okay. taking appointments. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Listen, uh, um, I want to say, too, wives, you know, for you to be, be all that, that Christ has designed you to be, you need to have that, those relationships in your life, too. And dads, look, get, you know, give your, however you want to do it for your wife, make a coupon or something. And here's a girl's night out. I'm going to watch all the kids. You go. You have a great time. Come home when you're ready, you know, and spend time with your godly girlfriends. You need those relationships, too, lady. And I would say, uh, you know, if, if you're bold enough um, to ask your wife, uh, you know, say, what do I do well at as a husband? Uh, what do I do well at as a, as a father? And, and what, are some, what are some areas that I need to improve on as a dad? You know, you might be surprised. And, uh, and wives do that, do that as well with your husbands. You know, we should, be, we, should be, we should be teachable. We should be wanting to grow and to learn, you know, to be better husbands and better fathers. Uh, but, but sometimes we, we, we really, sometimes we don't know what we need to improve on, you know. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, it, sometimes it's pretty obvious and sometimes, you know, not so obvious as well. Yeah, and we need to be in that position of having a teachable heart. Yeah. And then, you know, not being, if you're going to be bold enough to ask that question, be bold enough to receive the answer. You know, don't take a position of defense. You know, part of what we went through the other day was, you know, I was making my point, and I was standing on that hill, and I was going to defend that hill. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't even really like the hill. You know, but it was just that I, I just reared up and just this is, you know, I'm going to make my point in defense. So do not, listen, don't be defensive if you're going to be bold enough to ask that question. You had a, a handout um, that, that's uh, yeah, that we can make um, available? We've got, uh, we've got uh, these up front if you want to come up and get them, men. Um, we're also going to have a, an electronic version of it available for you. It's just um, I, when I was going through what I like to call my testimony gathering time, uh, Sherry was praying for me very specifically. And what she did is she, she inserted my name into certain scriptures and used that to pray over me. So what I did was I created these sheets, and there's just blank spaces where, guys, you can write your wife's name in there and pray, pray over your wife each day. It's just a guide. One of the things I hear from guys so often when we tell them, hey, you know, you need to pray, you need to pray, you need to lead your family in prayer. It's like, uh, I don't know what to say. You know, it's just that awkward moment, you know. And this is, listen, Scripture. <laughs> scripture is the answer. Scripture is the answer. So, you know, for example, it's Ephesians 5, 21 here. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that Sherry and I are subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, and so come up and get one of those after service, guys, if you want one, or, or we'll make those available online. It's powerful. And I came across uh, something this past week um, that Scott wanted me to share. It was five ways wives can help their husbands be better dads. Now, this can also be uh, ways that husbands can make their, their wives better wives as well. 
but uh, for the sake of Father's Day, uh, believe in him. Uh, if your husband really feels like you believe that he's trying to be a good dad, he's more likely to live up to your expectations. On the other hand, if he thinks you have him pegged as a bad dad, he might feel defeated and unmotivated to even try. Number two, co-star with him. When you're both with the kids, let him be the star occasionally. Instead of piping in with directions and ideas for him and the children, let him guide the moment. Three, praise him. Talk him up in front of the kids, in front of the in-laws, in front of his friends. Again, if he knows that you're out there bragging on him, he won't let you down. Four, protect him. Don't set your husband up for failure. Let's say your son really wants dad to throw the ball around on Saturday morning, but you know your husband is exhausted from a tough week at work. Protect your husband from looking like the bad guy by explaining to your son why dad needs to sleep a little bit longer before he goes outside. And number five, free him. In other words, don't guilt trip him. If you do a heavy, you should, why don't you, you never tirade, he might buck up and not make time for the kids just to spite you. Some good things to think about there. Yeah, ladies, you, you know, we talk about it um, fairly frequently. You, you probably heard me talk about it before, the cork principle. If you like a, lay a cork in the bottom of an empty glass, it just lays there. But the more you pour into the glass, as you pour into it, the cork rises to whatever level you pour into the glass. And your husband is that same way. The more you pour into him, the more you support him, the more that you affirm him, he will rise to that level. The, uh, the next topic we want to talk about is, is time. Uh, time equals love. We have a, a scripture from Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because these days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, I think a lot of times, too, we find, we find our, our identity um, in our jobs, you know, at the office. And, um, you know, husbands, you're not, you're not only just a provider financially, but you also need to provide with your time, with your affection. And, um, you know, on, on, someone's beth on, on someone's deathbed, they don't say, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. They don't say that, do they? I wish I would have spent more time with my family with my wife and my kids. I know you talked a little bit about that last night, Mike. Yeah, yeah we had, a, um, it, again, when you, when you look at this in the context of a larger story, understanding there are forces at work, um, it, it can be very, very helpful to, uh, to diagnose or to understand what's going on. Um, so uh, we had a retreat with um, last weekend, and some of the wonderful, beautiful Goldsboro women from the bridge were there with a bunch of other ladies. Yeah, it was a great time. So my wife and I had been pretty engaged in, you know, prior to and in that event and then coming back. And so um, Tuesday, um, there were still some uh, things, loose ends to tie up and some things to unload. But anyway, my 13-year-old, um, I was kind of flying by the house through the hallway and, and looked in on her and she was uh, taking care of some things in her room. I said, hey, bud, gotten, you know, no response. Hey, buddy, what's up? Nada. So I come in the corner, sit on the bed. What's, what's going on? You never spend time with me. Now, I have time, clock, time uh, cards that prove 
that I spend a lot of time with Abby. But there are forces at work. Who would want to whisper in her ear, your dad is too busy for you? See, they live in the same larger story we do as dads. And whether it was true or not wasn't as important as it was real to her. Now, I've learned a lot these last few years, and and I'm happy to report at, at this particular incident that instead of bowing up and defending myself, what I really heard was the cry of a little girl saying, I want to spend time with you. So I said, hey, I got an idea. Let's go jump in the car and go get one of those banana pudding shakes at Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's, she didn't say it like that, but, <laughs> but it was really, you know, I mean, those kinds of things to enter in and, and, to, and to bring remedy rather than defense uh, because that's what was real to her. So time, it, it's, you know, and relationship and time, they're, they're two sides of a coin. And, and the kind of time we spend with them beginning to, um, you know, enter into their world. I told you my three girls have different interests. So uh, I went to an open mic the other night at a, uh, at a place down in Durham where my 18-year-old was playing. Wow. Uh, and I've, I've sat in her room and been serenaded. I've sat in her room and helped her write songs. And uh, I, I've, that's where she's at. With my 16-year-old, the athlete, I'm, I'm like my dad was, underneath the hoop, rebounding and, and, and passing the ball to her and giving her her shots. Um, and with my 13-year-old, I, I take her to the, to the place that she rides some horses, and, and I enter into, the, into their world that kind of time. And then, on the other hand, I've invited them into places and, and events and things that, that we do, that, that I do. Sometimes with my friends, golfing or um, into the woods. I've got three little girls who have tried the huntress uh, approach, and, uh, but you know what they love to do? I think more than uh, dress up in uh, camo, which I think they like to do, but they like to traipse around with their dad and, uh, and get involved in, in what I'm doing. So that kind of time, sometimes it's in their world, and other times it's, it's the opportunity and the invitation to, to invite them into, into my world. I think it's important to have that perspective, Michael, of um, you've got to invest in your kids, really. You've, you've got... You can't just say, I'm going to spend some time with, with little Joe or whatever and drag him out onto the golf course and he sits in the golf cart with his Nintendo while you play 18. That's not spending time with your kid. You invest in what they want to do and spend time with them and then you can draw them into your story. You've got to make that investment first. Mike has brought a few um, resources along with him from Zoe. This one right here, this audio series, Fighting for the Hearts of Your Kids. Man, great revelatory stuff. Uh, excellent, excellent teaching. It's right out there in the lobby. You want to check that out, guys. I like, I like what you talked about, you know, just, uh, just inviting your girls. And, you know, we all, wa- we all want to be wanted. We want to be wanted, and, and um, I think that's just so important. <laughs> Share that story about the, the sunbathing. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that, yes, oh, yeah. yeah, sometimes, y- you know, you learn where the boundaries are sometimes by crossing them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Especially with three teenage yeah, daughters, right? And, and, uh, and, and it's not a shock collar that they have on me, but it's similar. Uh, so, you know, the summer's hit, the pool's open in this neighborhood that we live in. And so, um, 
yeah, you know, my 18-year-old, 16-year-old, they want to go and start the tanning process, lay out, hang out with their friends. So I thought that's their world. You know, I'm going to go and lay out with them, right? Nah, that wasn't, that's where the borderline stopped, you know, and, and uh, where, uh, yeah, dad, put your shirt back, put your shirt back on, dad. Go, go, please, please, please. leave. You know, it's, uh, it's just really important to, uh, to pursue your kids, uh, to find out what they enjoy doing like we talked about, but also what are their love languages. We talk about love languages with your spouse, but your kids have love languages as well. And uh, it's really important to find out what those are. Be creative. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money. Um, and I've, I know I've shared this story before, um, but uh, my son, Graydon, he's four and a half. And uh, we haven't done this in a while, but, you know, you can take uh, mass transit around Goldsboro, I'll ride the bus around for a dollar, and he enjoys doing that. You know, for a buck. You know, you can't beat that. Well, he enjoys going to the dump, and we love shattering the glass. You know, that's yeah. a good time. That's a good I time. I enjoy doing that. Yeah, no stuff. matter how, how old you get, you know. Um, you know, and I know, I know that those times aren't always going to last. So I'm, I'm, I'm cause it's going to get more expensive as it gets older. You know, the bus ride and the shattering glass. You know, those aren't going to be as fun uh, when he's a teenage. So I'm just trying to really soak that up. You know. Um, Meet, meet, meet your kids where they're at. Uh, send them a text message every once in a while. Just let them know you're thinking about them. Oh, man, that means so much. Or, you know, if, if your kids are on Facebook, get on Facebook. You know, say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm too old for that. You know what? You can find out a lot about your kids through Facebook and uh, just ways to interact with them. And, you know, it's just so important. Just take the time. Just take the time. Yeah, that, I love that because it's so much where they're at. And you're, and you're stepping in courageously, especially if you don't know how to do that. But uh, even my dad, um, this last year or two, has, uh, with his big thumbs, and he started to work the text thing with my, with my daughters. And I think, I'm not sure if it's every time, but I bet you I know most of the times when my dad has texted them. Do you know why? They tell me. I got a text from Papa. Oh, yeah? What did it say? You know, so it's, it's where they're at. They, they believe that's relational. They believe that's spending time. You're thinking about them. It's a, it's a way to connect, and, and that's where they are. And so we have an invitation as fathers to step into that. Before we move on to the next topic, can you just talk uh, briefly about, since with three dogs, I, I think it's just really cool. Um, you know, I have uh, two, two young boys. Uh, Scott has an, old, an older teenager, and you got three girls. So it's kind of a different perspective that you're getting all up here. Just tell us about the importance of affection uh, with your daughters oh, as yeah. a dad. I think that's really important. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I didn't, being a, a man, I didn't know any different. So I treated them, you know, like little cubs when they were little. And, and it was rough and tumble. It was, um, you know, tickling and wrestling and putting the scruffy beard on their face. I remember some of those moments uh, in my childhood. But as they got older... Um, you know, there was the, uh, em- you're embarrassing me, dad, you know, in the mall, uh, kind of stuff. And so, um, I've, I've kind of had to test those waters, you know, what, what's embarrassing and what's you're embarrassing me, but would you do that again? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't always guess right. Um, sometimes I really am embarrassing them. And, uh, and so I'm learning, you know, again, where those boundaries and borderlines are, but, um, you know, I have one daughter that she's just a little more physical. So, you know, she'll, she'll walk by me in the living room and, you know, give me a, 
a, a push. And I'm glad she stopped that slapping in the back of the head thing. That was getting an, <laughs> annoying. Um, but to grab her, and, and I know I can be a little more um, aggressive, physical with her. And then I have uh, another daughter that she just kind of, she'll come in the door and, and I'll, hey, Ash, and she'll, she'll go just like this. She'll go, you know, she'll just bear down because I'm about to give her a big hug and squeeze. So she just kind of gets ready for it. And, um, you know, but, but to, to continue to do that, um, even as they're older, you know, and, and I think we all know and have heard some of the, some of the studies of it that I, I just, I want to know, I want them to know my arms so they won't run into someone else's. Um, so You might want to write that down. You might want to write that down. That's good. You know, that affects, you know, if they're not, if they're not getting it from dad, they're going to get it from somewhere else. Yeah. And, um, you know, even, even with your sons, you know, show affection to your sons as well. You know, my dad and I, I'm 34 years old. I just, uh, my, my dad and I, we still kiss each other in the cheek, you know, and uh, it's, just, it's just very intimate for us. And, and I love that. I love that, that we still do that. And, and, and I, I just hope and pray that we continue to do that. I, I remember one of my friends um, telling me one time when I was in high school, uh, he was very distant from his dad. His dad was just very harsh with him. Um, I remember him telling him one time, he said, Jeremy, I can't remember last time my dad, my dad hugged me. And just, just how, how wounding that must have been uh, for him. And um, so we're going we're gonna to go on. We're going to talk about that subject right now, wounds. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, we've come at this from all different angles uh, every single time. And, and um, I want to jump right into this, guys, um, men and ladies. And just give you a little bit of perspective while we've got Michael here. Um, there is a larger story going on around you. And, and there are two, two major players who are after your heart. God and the enemy are after your heart. And you need to understand, and I understand. Listen, I have wounded my son. Michael has wounded his daughters. Jeremy has wounded his kids you know, his boys, and, and we've all done that as dads. On some level, we've wounded our kids. And we've been wounded by our dads. We've been wounded by our dads. And the, the perspective that we're trying to give very briefly this morning is that your dad, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, maybe longer, was in the middle of the larger story that's going on around you, just like you are now and was being affected and being pursued and being wounded by that enemy in the midst of the battle, just like you are now, and just like you're wounding your kids. You know, I mean, because of that, you're operating out of that wound. And so we want to peel that cover back a little bit and give you that perspective. And Mike, if you, if you want to take that a little bit further. Yeah, it, it, uh, I think my initial reaction when I first even heard the concept, you know, about father wounds, was not so much mine, but oh my gosh, what am I doing to my kids? Right. And um, like, the, uh, like the flight attendants will tell you, you know, when the oxygen masks fall, you know, take, put your mask on first, take care of you, so you can then be helpful to, to your children. And that, that illustration has been very true for my heart I, to work through 
and work on and walk with God in a, in a way to pursue healing because ultimately, you know this, he's our father. He is our father. I mean, this is what got Jesus in so much trouble was he talked about God as his father and it really hacked off a bunch of people yeah. um, that you know, thought it was irreverent. But that is what Jesus was really about, the heavenly father, being the beloved son. So, so many of us as men, in order to be good fathers, we really need to recover the beloved son. The things that our dads did do that weren't good and the things that some of our dads didn't do that they should have that creates some of those wounded things. And just like I was saying about Abby, my 13-year-old, it wasn't true that I hadn't, that I never spend time with her. But, you know, how many lies does it take to embed a wedge or, a, or an obstacle or a wound between a relationship as important as a father and a daughter? I mean, just one good lie that I don't care for her or I never spend time with her. So it's not a matter of if we're going to wound our kids. It, we will because we understand that the enemy is committed. His playbook is committed to put something in the way between the relationship of father and, and son <clears throat> or father and daughter because he knows the mileage that he'll get out of that between an earthly father and his son and daughter will then be portrayed and projected onto a heavenly father. And, and when they start to understand that, you know what, my dad was distant. He was never around. I hear it all the time in counseling. Guess what their perspective of, of the Heavenly Father is? He's distant. He's around, but he's really not interested in me. Well, where did they learn that? It, it wasn't just Sunday school. There was something they experienced and encountered. Do you see why the enemy is so hell-bent? On, on running those plays to get that kind of woundedness. And when we look at our story, the larger story we live in as a battle, then what, what happens in any battle, in every battle? There's casualties. There's wounded. And those wounds need treated. And that's why Jesus the Healer, I love that song this morning. And then the Courageous song that you, you guys have put a, a great worship together this morning to, to be courageous and, and enter into those things because real and true are not always the same thing. And what my daughter felt that was very real to her, it wasn't true, but what I get to do is in kindness and in love try to bring truth to the lie so that real and true can be the same. Yeah, taking that perspective, man, of like, you know what, I'm not going to reach for my, uh, my planner and show you, well, look, this is where we yeah. spent time. I've got it written down. I've got the time clock punched, but rather not defending that hill, but pursuing her heart. Yeah. Because, that, because that's how they feel, you know, and that needs to be addressed, you know, even if it's not true, it's the way they feel. You yeah, know, that's really a, that, that right there, that you, and we've all experienced them, that's a fork in the road moment yeah. Yeah. where you decide to pursue her heart rather than defend yourself, defend your right? right? And, you know, I know you're here today, and, and there's some of you sitting here, and you've got great relationships with your dads. And there's others of you that can think back to a fork-in-the-road moment where your dad chose to go the other way, and maybe he decided to defend himself or, or just didn't pursue you, didn't pursue your heart. Men and ladies, I'm talking to you right now. And I, I'm telling you, I, I understand that pain. 
I understand that pain. Uh, but, but there is healing for that. There is healing for that. You, and especially, especially if your dad is still alive and there's a rift between you, do not pass up the opportunity today to call him. Write him a letter. Do what you have to do. Now, listen, my dad's been gone for almost 20 years. And there were some things that, you know, I wish I could talk to him about. So what I, one of the things I learned from Michael, a very, an excellent exercise to, to allow our father, God, to get into my heart and heal me of those things, is to sit down and write the letter that I had always wished I had received from my father. And, and I'm telling you guys, that is a cleansing. Uh, that I, I look back at that time when, that I spent at Top Gun writing that letter that I wish my dad had written me. And that is a beautiful memory. And he wasn't there. He's been gone almost two decades. But I'm telling you, when you will let the Holy Spirit write that letter to you, it's like he's sitting right there next to you reading it to you. And when we did that at Top Gun, I mean, I remember seeing grown men you know, 40s and 50s, just weeping. Just, uh, just weeping and bawling, writing that letter. You know, so it doesn't matter how young or old you are. The wounds, the wounds are there. Um, you know, uh, we have, a, we have a, a passage up there, uh, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, we have all sinned. We yeah. have all sinned, and we have all fallen short. And, uh, you know, it's the same grace that you have received in your own life, you need to extend that to your dad as well. And I think we, sometimes we have unfair expectations. You know, we, we compared, maybe when you were growing up, you compared your dad to someone else's dad, you know, a friend that you had, you know, just had so much of a better dad, you know, you thought, and they were always there for them. Why couldn't your dad be that way? And the enemy loves when we compare. And it's also important for your kids to see you fail and to see you um, overcome these wounds. You know, it's just, it's, I, I mess up, you know, I, I struggle with anger just like, you know, almost any man in this room, if we're being honest. And uh, there's they been some times. really holy out there yeah, though, yeah. right now. There, there's been some times where I have had to get down on my knee with my four-and-a-half-year-old and saying, Graydon, I'm sorry. Daddy shouldn't have responded to you that way. I shouldn't have yelled at you that way. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Quit being prideful. Quit being prideful and, and just and ask for forgiveness. That is so important for your kids to see. Yeah, and... and we talk to, when Sherry and I meet with married couples, we talk with them and talk to them about, you know, how they are teaching their kids about marriage, right? Whether they realize it or not, they're taking their kids to school about what marriage is supposed to be like. And, and you're doing the same thing as a dad. You're doing the same thing as a dad. You are showing your sons and your daughters what the image of a dad is and how to be a dad. For your sons, you know, and and it's so important for us to take take hold of those opportunities when you come to that fork in the road, and 
assume a cloak of humility and say, you know what? It's not worth, it's not worth, you know, just glossing over. It's not worth dying on that hill, that hill that you, in the end, don't really like so much anyway. You know, you've got to, you got to be willing to do that. Yeah, that, that whole word, humility, just kind of, I think it, as a man, honestly, it kind of grates on us, or grates on me. And, and some of it's just been the misunderstanding that I've had for so long about what humility is. Uh, when I look at Christ and, and who he is and, and what he was about, the person of Jesus, this humility was not passivity, but rather engaging and, and entering in. Um, and you know, to have some of those forks in a road, uh, I mean, to apologize to your child. I know all of us as fathers have, have said to our children, well, you need to apologize to your sister or you need to apologize to your mom. And we've never modeled it for them when we've been wrong or we've had, uh, you know, a moment that, that wasn't an award-winning moment. And, and so to enter into some of those, to learn humility, it's a tough school but to, but to step into that and to overcome the passiveness that's right there inviting you to not, that's where courage really is and mm-hmm. stepping in as a dad. Um, we were, that, that picture about these parks, the uh, theme parks. So, um, I mean, I, I took our girls probably 10 or 12 years ago. This was my parents' 50th anniversary this last December. We were that family going around Disney World with the shirts that all matched. <laughs> You know, 19 of us, you know those people? I mean, I was one of those people uh, last December. We had a great time. Uh, so we're walking into Disney World, uh, and, and we're, you know, Main Street and all that. And, and I think it was about later in the, later in the first day in the afternoon, um, I hear a little voice in my head, and I know this voice. I hear the, I hear, I hear the father say, hold her hand. And I knew what Jesus was asking me to do was to hold the hand of my 18-year-old, reach out and hold her hand. And I said to him, in all my wisdom, I don't want to hold her hand. (laughs) What if she doesn't let me? And he said, that doesn't matter. Hold her hand. So... As, as a, like I was 15 and on a date for the first time, you know, with my parents driving sweaty hands and, you know, just this idea. So I, I reach out and I grab my 18-year-old's hand in humility and courage. And she squeezed it back. And we walked the rest of the day hand in hand after the rides through the park. And I thought, Good idea, Lord. This is a good idea. But it wasn't in me to do. It was one of those things that I needed to respond to. And I didn't know how it was going to go, and that really didn't matter. I guess we weren't in the mall where there was anybody that was going to recognize us. I, I figured that out later, that she was willing to do this among strangers, and I'm okay with that. But it was, it, when I look back at that 50th anniversary there were some beautiful things that happened. That is right up there in the top five. Because then I went on to do it with each of the other daughters. And, uh, and I had a great time as, as their dad going through those parks. Real quick, before we show this video, before we close, I think it's really important to just uh, quickly share that, 
that story about you and your dad and the football and, 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 the, and, the, and how the enemy wants us to focus on the negative. <laughs> yeah, really so, um, yeah, just, just really briefly, um, you know, before I was able to go and sit under some teaching, um, and, and, and I've been to Top Gun, um, gosh, I think five or six times. I'm really thick, evidently. But um, uh, before I was able to sit under that teaching about orientation, men, about the larger battle that's going on around you, I was disoriented. And so I thought of my own childhood, and I thought about my dad passing away when I was in my early 20s. And, you know, my dad had polio. I touched on that briefly. And um, so he was unable to do a lot of the things that dads would normally do, okay? I learned how to change a harmonic balancer in a 73 Buick when I was 12, okay? And, uh, but, you know, I would change light bulbs. I did a lot of stuff. And it sounds like a great opportunity to spend time with your dad and be connected with him. And uh, it, it, it was on some level, I mean, I, I think he spent some time being frustrated that he couldn't do those things himself. And so there were some missed opportunities there. But I remember, uh, you know, reflecting back on my childhood and thinking, you know, my, my dad and I, you know, he, he never really got into sports. He never, you know, really tossed the football around or anything like that with me. And I would look at other fathers who had done that with their kids and uh, be jealous, be jealous, be en envious of that. And um, I remember when I, after orientation, I remember this one, one moment that I used to look at and say, you know, uh, it, was, it was a bad thing. But, but we were clean, I think we were clean in the garage. And uh, I found this ball. It was, uh, it was a rubber ball, you know, not like a hard baseball or anything, but just one of those little toy balls you play, play with. And I, I picked it up when I found it, and I just hucked it at my dad. Um, and I don't, I don't think he was really even paying that much of attention to what I was doing, but I threw it at him, and, uh, and he caught it. And uh, yeah, it was like, shing, you know, it was ridiculous. But uh, so good reflexes on the old man. But then he, he threw it back to me, and we tossed it back inside the garage. We tossed it back and forth for, I don't know, two or three minutes. You know, it wasn't a long thing. And I remember looking back on that moment when I was disoriented, thinking, man, I only got to play catch with my dad one time. You know, and, and after I received some of this teaching and became an oriented man in the larger battle that's going on around me, I was able to look back at that memory and say, man, I got to play catch with my dad one time. And there's a huge difference there. And what the enemy wants you to do is to get sucked into the vortex of, you know, the pity party. I only got to do this. I never got to do this. My life was terrible. Yeah. This, that. My dad never did that, right? My dad didn't love me because he didn't take the time. And I'm telling you, I'm not trying to disqualify the woundedness that you're feeling. What I'm telling you is there's a heavenly father, especially for those of you whose, whose dads have passed away, there's a heavenly father that wants to spend that time with you, that wants to not only be a father to you, he wants to be your daddy. He wants to be where you can go when you don't need someone to come up and pat you on the shoulder. You need a lap that you can crawl up on and just sob. He can be that for you, even when your daddy wasn't. And man, my dad was a great dad. I didn't get 
uh, a whole lot of time with him, but the time I got, I am thankful for. And, and now he's gone, going on almost two decades. And my heavenly father, my heavenly father has taken that role in my life. And I know where my father is. He accepted Christ before he passed away. I know where he is, and I know he's walking, and he's healthy, and he's whole. My mom likes to say he's riding around on a skateboard, you know. But uh, listen, embrace your heavenly father in that way and, and allow him to do a healing work in your heart and forgive your dad. Forgive your dad. Probably the, the greatest thing that fathers do is initiate and validate. Initiate and validate. And so the invitation for you sometime today on Father's Day might be to pray to the Heavenly Father, would you father me? Would you father me? And whatever that list is of what didn't happen or should have happened, I would encourage you, implore you to write it down and, and, and then say, here's my list. Would you father me in these areas, in these ways, and then I would say to you, buckle up. So often, he wants you to know what you want before he'll provide it. So that you know, as a father, he's a good father. And he wants the job to father you. You know, whatever you used to be, let your heavenly father help you move forward from here on out. You know, I don't care if you're a barber or if you're a doctor. You have more influence than you realize. And you're leaving a legacy. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? I want everyone to stand right now. Wives, if uh, your husband is sitting right next to you, I want you to just uh, hold his hand. Maybe you haven't held his hand all week. Tonight's a good, today's a good start. Um... If there is uh, maybe uh, just a male that's around you, maybe that you don't even know, just, just go and lay, uh, lay your hand on his shoulder. I just want to pray a prayer, a prayer blessing right now. Um, so just do that right now. Hold a hand, put a, put a hand on a shoulder, just to bless someone. Let's bow our heads. God, you have been a perfect father to us. You have extended us grace so many times. Would you help us extend that same grace to our dads? Father, maybe we haven't been the best sons. Maybe we've done some things that haven't made our dads real proud, maybe right now even. Father, but I think of the prodigal son and how he went off and he realized how good he had it. And he went back to the father. And when the father saw him, he, he just didn't sit on the, on the porch with his arms crossed. No, he ran to him. He ran to him. And you're running to some men in this room right now. God, that we wouldn't take the time left with our dads for granted in this life. Maybe this is the first Father's Day without our dads. They passed away this past year, and it's, it's a hard day. Would you remind us of the wonderful memories with them in this life? Would you comfort us? Would you give us peace? Father, maybe some never had a dad in their life. You father us. 
You touch all the places that our, that our dads never did or never could. Luke 19 says that you came to seek and save what was lost. You are restore. Restore us. Father, we don't want to just be good dads. We want to be godly dads, godly parents. But we can't do that without having an intimate relationship with you. Maybe our dads, our grandfathers prayed that one day we would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we haven't done that. But today is the day. This morning is the morning that our dads and our fathers have always been praying for about us. Father, we, if there's anyone in this room right now that does not know you as Lord and Jesus, that they would say, you know what? I'm going to quit running. And I'm coming back. I'm coming back to God, my Father who loves me. And I'm running back and I'm surrendering my life to Jesus right now. And I'm making a recommitment. What an awesome gift to give to your dad. To let him know that you got saved today. With every eye closed, if this is you, would you just raise your hand if you've made that commitment? See, I'm making that commitment right now, this morning. I see you. I see you. Anyone else? Father, be with all of our wives. God, we need them to believe in us. It's so important. God, I thank you for the healing and the restoration that begins today. Father's Day, June 17th, 2012. It's a new day. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.